you fly a lot, then you, you establish these routines. You know, now when I go to the airport, I empty all my pockets before I even get in the car usually, and I'll put all the stuff from my pockets into my, into my briefcase in a particular, particular place. And uh, it's still somewhat of a hassle, but it's, it's a lot easier. And there's nothing worse than going through the, uh, the thing you have to go through, and you think you got everything, and there's lifesavers or something in your pockets. You've got you to pull them out. So my point is there's a lot of obstacles along the way, and you have to be highly motivated to get from where you are to where you want to be in order to endure that. Now, most of you don't think about this because you come to church quite a bit. But for some people, coming to church is very much like going through that security at the airport. There are obstacles along the way. One of them is, well, I've got to get up. It's Sunday, my day off. got to get up and uh, go down. I don't know anybody there. Am I going to have a place to park? Are people going to be nice to me? Is the preacher going to have anything to say? I mean, there's all kinds of things that are obstacles to prevent you from, from coming here. So you have to be highly motivated. That's what I want you to think about this morning. Why would someone who doesn't go to church come to church when there are so many obstacles? Lots of things to prevent that along the way. One of the things that really helps more than anything is if somebody will ask them to come, and we'll come with them, maybe meet them here and help them through that process along the way. So notice on your outline, what if we become experts at removing obstacles and creating opportunities to help people to find God? So John chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, is where I want to read today. It's a familiar story, I think, to probably most of you. After this, when he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jew Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And the reason it always says up to Jerusalem is because it's, it's on, on a mount. Went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Some people, when he put a coffee shop at Faith Chapel, they... They, they said that was, uh, that, that's what I was doing. I was, you know, selling things. Selling things in the temple. That was bad, bad news. I always thought it was pretty good because the coffee made me feel pretty good. <laughs> so he took out, a, he made a whip out of cords and drove, uh, drove them from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of, money, of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So what's that all about? Notice the blank on your outline there. Create, let's create an open door policy. Now I used to, I used to, in fact I still do a lot, of, a lot of the time. I study, I have to be by myself. And normally I'm in my office. I used to shut the door, office door all the time. And uh, Carl Wolf, a guy that worked for me for years, would always ask me, why do, why do you have to shut your door? And I said, I, I don't know. There's just something about being alone, no distractions. It's quiet. That helps me think through the sermons carefully. 
as I need to, so I'd always close the door. But I heard about these pastors who would go to coffee shops and do their studying. They didn't want to sit in an office, so they'd go to the coffee shop. There's a lot of activity around. So I thought, well, I'll try, I'll try that. So I went down to the atrium, and there are tables every place, coffee shop. I'd get my coffee, get my computer and my books, and spread everything out. And I thought, sure as the world, people are going to drive me crazy. But it was surprising that nobody did. I mean, once in a while, somebody come up and say, hi, how you doing? But they'd, they'd leave, leave right away. So it, it was, uh, there really were, were no interruptions, were no obstacles to get in the way of what I wanted to do. So when you think about removing obstacles to get to God, we probably don't think about that very much, do we? That God is there, I'm here, and what is it that's in between that's distracting me and keeping me from accomplishing what I want to accomplish. Well, it's interesting to me that, that it's not just a matter of us getting to the Lord, but God actually moves toward us. You know, people talk about finding God. Really, you didn't find God. God found you. You look at, look at Luke chapter 15. There's a lost sheep and a shepherd symbol of Jesus there, went after the sheep. He went after them. And the lost coin, the woman searched for the coin until she found it. So God is pursuing people today. He's going after people today, but it seems like there are obstacles that get in the way, and those obstacles are not God. Those obstacles are things that we create. If you think about you know, opening up this, this door right here, and let's assume that there's somebody on the other side of that door, even though the door is open, is there anything in their mind that would keep them from moving toward us in here? What are the things that people have to deal with that might get in the way? So how can we identify obstacles that close the door? Now, <clears throat> one of the things I thought about with this was down on 14th Street, the first place that we met, there was, a, there was a solid door entering the church. And if there's a solid door, when you walk up to that door, you kind of want, well, what's behind that door? So we've, we made it a glass door so that people could look in and know what's behind the door so that they would be more inclined to, to move that way. Well, in this passage that we just read, there were obstacles that were created that I don't think originally they probably intended to put those obstacles there, but... What happened was that uh, there were several feasts, three feasts a year that all Jews, male Jews, were required to, to attend. They used to meet them on the road and sell them a sacrifice because it was, they had to travel so far, they didn't want to take a lamb and bring it all the way to, to Jerusalem. So they would sell them just before they got to Jerusalem. Well, for convenience sake, they moved those animals into the temple area. Now, the, the temple area on, uh, on the mountain in, in Jerusalem, there's, there's a, a huge enclosure. And inside that enclosure, there are several steps that you go through in order to get to the temple itself. And the farthest step out was the court of the Gentiles, then the court of the women, then the court of the men. So they get closer and closer. So in the court of the Gentiles, imagine this. They've got sheep every place, doves every place, cattle every place. Uh, 
So you know what a stockyard smells like and how noisy that can be. Imagine you're coming to worship. You're coming to have a relationship with the Lord and there's noise and there's smell and all the distractions that are happening in the temple area. Then beyond that, you, you wanted to offer a sacrifice, so you might bring your own sacrifice. And, and, and the point of this passage is, when you brought your sacrifice, they said, no, that's not an acceptable sacrifice. We'll sell you one of these that's an acceptable sacrifice. So, well, mine looks, no, no, this is, these are the only ones that are acceptable. So they would s- take yours, which may be better than the one you got. But you had to pay for it, and there was a profit in that. And be- besides that, oh, you don't have temple money. You just got Roman money. You need, you need temple money to pay for this sacrifice. We'll exchange it for you. Only like at the airport when you exchange your money, there's a lot of profit in, in, in exchange for that. So they were ripping people off and they were creating all these obstacles along the way, all these inconveniences along the way that people had to deal with. And my point this morning is, I wonder how many obstacles there are when people come to church. Now, you might be totally oblivious to it. Maybe because you're totally oblivious to them. When somebody comes to church here the first time, I mean, do you ever, do you ever take time on Sunday morning, look around, see, is there anybody here this morning that I don't recognize? You can spot them. If it's the first time, you can spot them immediately because they look uncomfortable. They don't know where to go. And we have somebody at the door. Well, do you know where to take your kids? That's an obstacle. Okay, we'll show you where to take you. There's the nursery down there. See that? Maybe I'll walk down there with you and help you. That might remove an, an obstacle. There might be some obstacles that are even farther away. In my mind, I, d- I don't want to be critical because this is not a blanket statement about every, everything, but Christian TV is an obstacle to me. If I evaluated Christianity based on Christian TV, I would go to church. You know, sometimes they look like they're from a foreign planet. What are they doing? I don't understand that. So you might be a little bit apprehensive. Why do you come? And again, I want to say the biggest help in getting people to move past those obstacles is if you find somebody that you know, you invite them, and you walk with them through, oh, you know, you can park right over there. No, the guy standing at the door, he's, he's kind of ornery, but he'll be nice to you when you get closer. He'll even give you something that'll be helpful on the way. Let me show you where to sit. Well, what do they do when we're here? Well, we just sing a few songs, we pray a little bit, and then the guy gets up and talks a little bit. It's going to be it's going to be all right. It removes obstacles and hindrances if you provide the way for someone else to come. The songs that we sing, I think about this a lot, and this isn't criticism of our songs at all, but Christian songs in general, for somebody who's not a Christian, it's like, what do they? What does that mean? What are, they, what, are they, what are they saying when they, when they say that? The language that I could use. I could use words. I could use concepts that people would say, well, what does that mean? You might not notice because you're familiar with those things, but they're, they're not. Stories. One of the things I've become sensitive to is, is being careful about the stories that I tell, not assuming that people know that story to the degree where I wouldn't need to explain it. You need to go through it. Nate, Nate uh, Petzl and I had lunch a few months ago, and uh, he was preaching this sermon series out of 
Genesis about Abraham, and he spent, gosh, I don't remember how many weeks it was, uh, talking about Abraham. And, and the last week when he was done, this woman came up to him. She's a nurse. I mean, she's not, she's not a dummy. And she'd been there every week, and she said, I am furious. I'm furious. He said, well, I don't understand. Why are you furious? She said, I'm furious that nobody ever told me those things about Abraham Lincoln. So we think that's funny. She didn't know who Abraham was, and she'd sat there, and that was the point of him telling me about this. He said, you know, we assume the people know those stories. They know what we're talking about, but she's not a dummy, and she didn't get it. You know, coming to church sometimes might be like walking through a corn maze, you know, trying to find your way, trying to negotiate your way through that. And then there might be distractions. I remember when I, when I did go to church, I went to this little little place downtown Portland called uh, something something Mission. I can't remember what it was. They met every night of the week except Monday. And not only was it confusing, but it was it was uh, off-putting. Gosh, they started doing crazy things. This woman got behind me and stuck her head right up behind my ear. <laughs> I looked at my friend that brought me. I said, "We're out of here. I'm not not putting up putting up with this." So, <clears throat> in the book of Acts, it was interesting that the Jews expected non-Jews to become Jews before they became Christians. They put these obstacles in the way, and one of them was circumcision. They had to be circumcised in order to become a Christian. So they had this big meeting. And after the meeting, this is the decision that they made. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So you may remember a couple of years ago, I brought a ladder out here that had the bottom rungs missing on the, on the ladder. So we expect people to go from here to here. Well, we can put some steps in there that make it easier for them rather than taking that large step. Or, you know, you could take a piece of paper and put a piece, of, I'm standing here and there's a piece of paper out there. Maybe we're asking people to take too long a step. Maybe it's a bridge that we don't realize how far that is to step from not being a Christian to accepting Christ being a Christian. So the point is we put steps in between that make it easier for people to understand, easier for people to get there and bridge the gap. Then notice the next blank is how can we get out of the way? There was chaos in the temple and Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I'd like to see that where Jesus just cleaned house. He started turning over tables of the money changers. He got out his quirt and started, I, he probably didn't hit anybody with it, but he probably popped it, in their, popped it in their ear. Why? He says, how dare you turn God's house into the, this? Look what you've done to this place. It's a hindrance. It's not, it's not a place of prayer anymore. And the example I had a few years ago was that Roy Jr., who was my supervisor at one point, it was, a, it was a large church, and people were all out in the lobby before church. And this guy was selling vacuum cleaners, going from one person to another selling vacuum cleaners. If you, if you use Amway, God bless your heart. But you know, people used to come to church and sit up trying to sell Amway all the time. It was, it was a, it, it was a distraction. I, uh, I went to, with a group of supervisors. I used to be district supervisor, and I went to New York City, and we went down to Union. Union Park, I believe is the name of it. And this was just a little bit after 9-11.
And we were standing in the park. One group got a table, and they set materials on the table so people could come up and, and get something off the table. That turned out to be the best, the best option. But we had in our hands these leaflets that were Billy Graham's prayer about 9-11. Well, gosh, everybody likes Billy Graham, don't they? So I'm walking around, I'm saying, would you, like, would you like a Billy Graham prayer? Would you like a Billy Graham prayer? Some people, of course, who were Christians, they'd come up and say, oh, yeah, yeah, God bless you, you're a Christian. Yeah, good to, good to have you out here. Give them the good news. This one woman, I can still see the look on her face. She was about from me to D when I first saw her, and I kind of went like this, and she put her head down. So I walked toward her, and I said, would you, would you like to have a Billy Graham prayer about, about what's just happened in New York? And she just, she just sped up and she walked just like that right by me. I mean, she was mad. Well, apparently that day it turned out that I was a, a hindrance, not a help in terms of her finding the Lord. People wonder, are my kids going to be safe? Where am I going to park? Are they going to be nice to me when I walk in this room? What's going to happen in this room when I come in? I had an experience a few years ago where I... I was in Los Angeles over a weekend, which didn't happen very often, but I uh, I wanted to see Erwin uh, McManus, famous guy. So I w- took the trouble to go downtown, right downtown Hollywood, got out of my car, to park three or four blocks away, walked up the church, and there were people gathered around this building, so I, I knew I was in the right place. There was a band. It's, a, it's an artsy kind of a church. So they had this band outside, and they had this this guy singing, and then they had somebody doing some poetry and several things out there. And I stood out there and watched, and I looked around, and nobody said anything to me. You know, I think I'm kind of a friendly sort of a guy, and smile at people, you know. And then I went inside. I was I was early. It was probably thirty minutes early. Walked inside, and I stood in the I stood in the lobby for at least fifteen minutes. Nobody, not one person, said a word to me. Not one. I could tell that some kind of wanted to, but they'd look at me and then, then they then then they'd back away. I went inside. Nobody that whole night. Before church, during church, after church, not one person said anything to me. Gosh, I hope that never happens here. I hope we're kind of on the lookout. Is there anything that we can do to make it easier for people to come and to experience what we know that the Lord wants them to experience. I went to a church last summer in town here and uh, I didn't come here because it was a, it was a week off and I, and I and I'm, you'll understand this, I just didn't want to be the pastor that day. Could have gone to Faith Chapel but a lot of people know me at Faith Chapel so I said, I'm not going to go to Faith Chapel either. So I went to another church and uh, walked in the door and one person said something to me that day. You know who it was? The guy handing out the bulletins. Well, that was his job. He's supposed to do that. You know, that, that's what they ask him to do. Not one person said hi to me. And I was a little shocked by that. Other ways, you know, friendliness might be one way. Another, another thing is not understanding things. I try really hard to explain things in a simple way so that people can understand. I went to a church last fall. I was actually participating in the service in this church. And uh, they, have, they have a liturgy. We all have a liturgy, but their liturgy, you, could, you couldn't understand 
what you were supposed to do next. So they were saying things. I didn't know what to say. Finally, I figured out they had it all written down on a, on a page there. But by the time that service finished, I thought, why would I go to church here? It was hard. I didn't understand what they were doing or why they were doing what they were doing. Now, there's a term that people use, and I understand why people have struggled with this, but there's a term that was used for a long time called seeker-sensitive. Let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't we want to be seeker-sensitive? Not talking about diluting anything so that people, you know, it changes the truth, but it's like, why wouldn't we want to be sensitive to people who are trying to find the Lord? Why wouldn't we do everything we can to make it easier toward them to move toward the Lord? So, you know, you might not remember anything else about the sermon, but if you see somebody that you don't know that's here, just say, welcome. Come on in, let me show you, let me show you. Let me show you where to where to take your kids. Let me let me sit down and explain this morning. We'll kind of do this and this and this and this service. Make it easier for people rather than more challenging and more difficult. So Lord, we would certainly never want to be like the money changers who who uh, obviously were distracting, cheating people. We'd never we'd never do that. But Lord, I remember how people treated me the first time I came back to church and how challenging and how difficult it was. And I never want to be like that. I don't think any of us would intentionally, but Lord, help us help us be seeker-sensitive. Help us be sensitive to people who are here. They're looking for God. They're looking for you or they wouldn't be here. Help us help them to find you. We know you're seeking them, you're pursuing them. They're searching. Help us not get in the way, Lord, but to be a blessing to everyone that comes through that door. A, a look, a word, a smile, and a touch could do so much in helping people just relax so that you could begin to speak to them. We love you and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. In the spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. We pray that all unity will one day be restored. Know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, I'll know we are And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. All praise to the Father from whom all things come. And all praise to Christ Jesus, His only Son. And all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love.